Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, hey, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week, and show notes are found at 805connect.com. Hey, why don't you subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows? Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Polstering Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, Mark. Good morning. I, w- I would like to introduce you to Tom Holt. Tom's the CEO of Urbane Cafe and comes to us from the southern part of the 805. Hey, Tom. Hi, nice to, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're a restaurant guy. So you used to be up early. I get up early every morning. It's right. part of my discipline. Right. I love yeah. that. How long has Urbane Cafe been around? So we've been around 13 years. Yeah. Um, so we've, uh, we've expanded relatively slowly. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, learning the fundamentals. Um, so we've expanded slowly. We haven't taken on any extra capital. Uh, so it's just uh, growing incrementally. I think Wait, the next y- couple of years will be a, a big big move for well, us. you look like you're 26 so how could you have uh restaurant business is that a compliment anymore i don't know if that's still a compliment. especially when you're talking to like a, a business owner <laughs> it's yeah. that youthful exuberance okay that's, good so that's it is what a compliment. it is yeah. yeah absolutely so um what did you have a first job in the restaurant was this something that you'd always wanted to do no so my my first job really was I, I had a passion for uh, motorcycles. I got really? in. Yeah. So I got into, um, it was the era of Evil Knievel. Oh. And so I was Your gonna, mom loved that. Oh, my <laughs> parents were thrilled. Oh, I bet. So my, my passion really was, I told my parents I'm going to be a famous motorcycle racer. And they laughed because... Who, who wants their kid to race a motorcycle? And they had no interest whatsoever in me becoming a motorcycle racer. So my first real job was to get me to become a professional motorcycle racer. So, How old were you when we were talking uh, my, about? I was five years old when I told my parents I was going to be a professional <laughs> motorcycle racer. <laughs> so, Strike fear early. Oh, yeah. Well, can't, so, can't you think about doing something more steady like <laughs> restaurant work? <laughs> Could you just... I know. Just, <laughs> so I... Uh, I, I told them that I was going to be a professional motorcycle racer, and I didn't need school. Oh, so, okay. Now it comes out. There we go. <laughs> uh, why would you need to go to no, school when you're going to no, be famous? Of course not. It's yes. pretty straight. I know how to ride a bike. Yeah. It's pretty much as faster. <laughs> yes. I would walk around my school in third grade, and I would show kids pictures of motorcycle racers and these magazines. And, oh. you know, this is going to be me someday. Right. This is This is my... This is my goal, and this is what I'm going to do. So, as you can tell, I wasn't much of a student, um, but uh, I really had to learn how to be an entrepreneur from this experience of becoming a professional motorcycle racer. How, now, connect those two dots. Huh? So, for me, my parents weren't interested in racing motorcycles. So, I had to figure out how to get gas. I had to figure out how to get to the race. I had to figure out how to get money. Um, and I had to figure out how, how to promote myself. So to get to the race. Now, by this time, we've jumped from um, fifth grade. I'm about, I'm, 
I am in, yeah, about fifth grade. I'm 13 years old. Yeah. So um, I'm, I have friends taking me to the motorcycle race. My brothers uh, took me a few times, but I was pretty much a bum. I mean, I would push my motorcycle down to the gas station at five o'clock in the morning and my buddies would pick me up and I'd go racing. Um, and it was all about getting trophies and so I want to ask a question because the so you you grew up in Ventura so mm -hmm. for those who are listening from Finland and Israel and, and other places around the world of which they do hey shout out to the rest of the world uh, you grew up in a beautiful seaside community of Ventura which is just south of us right on the coast it's spectacular mm -hmm. I've got to guess because it's it's kind of flat there that the Ventura Speedway on Friday nights with those motorcycles going around, you could hear for miles. And as a kid, that's you heard that sound. Yeah. And he said, well, I wanna go to see that. Am, am I guessing right? Uh, yeah, so I would ride my bike down there at night yeah, and, okay, and see I it on it. Friday I nights. Um, there was a motorcycle track out in um, Lancaster and we would, I would go out there and I remember being as a kid, seeing all these guys on dirt bikes and it was the era of, um, Steve McQueen, he mm. was always out there, and I just I would just drive by this place and go, God, that's so awesome! Those guys riding dirt bikes, and um, I was fortunate enough that uh, I turned professional at at 16. No kidding. Yeah, big, huge win on my first debut pro so, race. So tell me, <laughs> did did someone someone came and and saw you and said, I like your grit, kid? No, I. I just sacrificed. I, I had buddies that would take me to the races. And uh. the chances of me actually becoming professional with not much support was pretty pretty dim. Right. And it was that um, dedication that I, I was not going to give up. And so luckily, I, I did turn pro. My first pro race, I was, uh, I think I was 16, and I made a whopping $20. No, so. did you place? <laughs> what does it? What does yeah, it? I got first. You got first. <laughs> and you made bucks twenty bucks. What? Yeah. Nice. When, when you say you went pro, how does that? Um, is that paperwork you have to do, or is that? Uh, no, I mean you. You have to move yourself up the ranks. So. So you were designated as a professional at some point. Then yes, is what happened. Yeah. Okay. As soon as you get a yeah. check, that makes yeah. you a yeah. pro, doesn't you're it? You're writing for I money. Guess. Well, yeah. you, you can't say I guess. There's got, that's what I'm asking. Like everybody's just like, oh, that's when I turned into a pro surfer. And I'm like, well, how? Wait. Yeah. Is that, you know, do you mean you got fired? Is that what you mean? You got fired from your from your yeah, dishwashing. You job. have to win a couple first place trophies to be okay. pro. And then, got they, it. and then they call got you it. pro. Okay. Yeah. So I, I so next question our listener wants to know is is was there some little kid showing your picture in the motorcycle magazine to their buddies? So I I got got really lucky. I ended up. Um, getting a, uh, a factory ride or a um, sponsorship to go to South America. So really? I ended up living in Brazil. As one does. So uh, I was very lucky. Um, I was a little older. So being pro at 16 was a little old. So I was lucky that oh. <laughs> I know. And like, you were like, giving me the 26 earlier like, and like now 16 <laughs> is old. It's like gymnastics, yeah. you know. Oh, right, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 14 um, years. Yeah, 16 is very Go old. Go to pasture. Veteran. So, wh but why Brazil? How did that, was it a Brazilian uh, motorcycle company? So, I was at a supercross race in um, Seattle, and I ran across some guys, and they said, hey, we're looking for some Americans to go uh, race in Brazil. So, 
I packed up my bags and what was showed the up on their doorstep. with mom and dad? Like? Uh, mom and dad were, they hadn't really seen me race very many times. So they're like, where, where are you going? Where's what Tom? are you doing? <laughs> so I, I packed it up and I knew that this was an opportunity for me to really spend time on my craft where I wasn't able to do it as much here um, with having somebody else pay the bills. So I, um, I did the same kind of, when we talk about entrepreneurship, I, I yeah. got to Brazil and there was, there was supposed to be a team for me and um, I showed up and the team had already folded. They had needed oh, no. too many Americans. Um, so I did what I always do. I was resourceful. I met the, uh, the big sponsors and I landed a, a sponsorship and I started winning and started making more and more money. And In Brazil? Yeah. You just stayed down there. Mm-hmm. Was it a one-way ticket? That you had? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, but I, I, uh, I, they, I got one of the best teams that were down there. Uh-huh. So I was living in, I mean, you're, I was 20, probably 21. I turned 21 when I was down there and was living in a nice house on the beach in Rio. You can't get any better than oh that. We had God. umbrella girls. We had a private jet. It was, you know. What's an umbrella girl? Patrick, can you Google that for us? It's kind of seems self-explanatory. <laughs> you know, it gets hot out there. You need oh, an umbrella girl. Okay, I see. Gotcha. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was living this dream that I always thought that uh, um, I was going to live. And... You know, when you're 23 years old, you don't realize that there is another chapter. And for me, that that other chapter, I had a, um, I finally flew in my mom to watch me race. Biggest race of the year. Um, biggest stadium in the world, uh, Pacambu, um in Brazil. And I was uh, in second going for the lead. Hit a dark patch um, after a big jump and totally crashed my elbow my shoulder was through the back side of my Ugh. my arm and you know you, you could imagine how terrified a mother would be um was that the first time she'd seen you race seriously she had raced seen me race about three or four times that's okay. it every time she came i crashed <laughs> I, I don't know the nerves or something <laughs> so uh she was quite pleased seeing me in the hospital getting a surgery in brazil <laughs> right so <laughs> Um, I knew in that hospital bed that I was, by that time I was 23, um, that I, I had to figure out something mm-hmm. else to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I came back from South America and I remember telling my, my dad and my friends, I'm going to go to college now. So <laughs> they're like, you barely <laughs> finished high school. How are you going to college? And I took a lot of that entrepreneurship and that sure. leadership from the motorcycle racing is I am going all in. I, I have to learn the fundamentals of what we're doing. And I, I, uh, I applied a, at Cal Lutheran. Well, you, so that, so just so our, our listener knows that I was introduced to you from Gerhardt at Cal Lu. Oh. Uh, he's our, you know, our patron here. And, uh, 
So we've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time. So I was waiting to like, okay, how does he get to Cal to Calgaloo fit into the story? So you you decide you need to. There's something else. Obviously, you yes. can't motorcycle anymore. Yes. And so, or race rather. You can't motorcycle. That's not a verb. <laughs> uh, Mark, how that works. Yeah. Now all my English listeners are well, screaming you at you me. You can podcast, so I guess it's oh. that's what you're doing there. You're using just the name of the thing. Thank you, professor. Motorcycling. Thank you. I love <laughs> just motorcycling about. And so, why Kalu? So my my brother had graduated there. Okay, so well, I, there you go. Okay. I, I was figuring if he sure. could get in, I could get in, right? <laughs> so I went and applied the first time, and they looked at my GPA and they go, "I'm sorry, sir, <laughs> you're gonna need to go to a junior college and, oh, and get your GPA up." Right. Which was the best thing for me. Mm. Um, so I went to a junior college. Um, you can imagine being the oldest person at a junior college. How how good. I was spraying champagne, kissing trophy girls, and then oh. now I'm walking the halls as the oldest guy in college. Right. Uh, what a reality check. Yeah. Um, but what I did was I used that discipline that I, I had from motorcycle racing, and I, I learned the fundamentals of school. I started basic math, um, basic English, and I learned how to structure a sentence. I learned basic math, how to, how to do um, algebra, all, all of those things that you need to know to know to get through in school. Is it is it fair to say that because you were older, you were more deliberate, more intentional, and you actually got more out of it? I do think that, but I think early on my passion was just something totally different, and this was my new passion that I have this fear of failure. So there was oh. no way that I was going to fail. I needed to let everybody know that I was going to be a great student and this is my path. Can we talk, I want to talk about failure for just a second, only, only in that there is this meme about from entrepreneurs that if you haven't failed, you haven't been successful. And they, they, they've kind of uh, escalate failure to be this thing to achieve. I want to achieve failure, which I think is maybe wrong. It means I haven't <laughs> tried hard enough. Yeah. Uh, you go to junior college and it's, just general, I mean, because you said, you know, math, English, let's get the, ba as you say, the fundamentals out of the way. At Was there somebody you met? Because we now know, you know, let's fast forward, or it's not a surprise. You're a big restaurateur now. At, where did that fit in? So uh, entrepreneurialism is since you were five. So we yeah. got that. Where did the restaurant bit hit? So I... I was, uh, I wanted to be a physical therapist after I graduated. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm all okay. over the board, right? No, yeah. no, this is really funny because I think two weeks ago I said this about, I said this about the athletes. Uh, you'll meet somebody who's becoming a physical therapist and I'll say, why are you becoming a physical therapist? And they'll say, because I had one. Yeah. I met a really great physical therapist yeah. and they triggered this, this idea. Oh, there you go. And, and so I, um, I, after I graduated from Calu, I was um, interning for physical therapy and this is what I always wanted to do, work with athletes. And I, I kind of realized that I was better at the hospitality portion mm. than I was at um, the hospitality yeah, of, of of taking care of the guests, um, okay. making them feel like yeah. we're helping them. Yeah. Um, I was very good at that. Um, What's your favorite part of that? Uh, you know what? I have always been uh, some somebody that really is 
shows hospitality, right? You're a host. I, yeah, I, I'm so very good. All house, my parties. Yeah. Not back of the house. I again, I think any business for me, I always look at the same basics that I've always done: fundamentals. So, if you want to be a great restaurateur, you need to know every aspect if you're going to own it. Yeah, yeah. So for me, when I started our our company, I knew everything. So I had to know how we're going to grill the chicken. So I, I did all of it. Um, what I really, what gives me the most energy in our restaurants is the hospitality and being able to connect with people and our team. So you have, I always think of hospitality as a feeling and it works both ways, right? It works with your, your team yeah. and your yep. guest. Yeah. So, um, and, and along with that, I mean, you, you add in trust with your team and trust with your guests, and, and it, it kind of all adds in to mean, a good experience. What do you mean by trust with your guest? So we want them to rely on us when they come into our, our restaurant. We want them to feel safe about the food. We want them to feel really good about what they're putting in their bodies. And... Uh, when I, when I was engineering the restaurant is I wanted to show the fresh qualities of what we were doing from our bread to our meats and really. So 13 years ago, that was kind of a unique idea. Mm -hmm. I want to say unique, I mean, but fresh, but I mean, it, did you feel like you were on the kind of the leading edge? People weren't really doing that. So that was going to give you a competitive edge. So we were one of the first um, fast casuals in this area. Fast casual. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So oh. order so at the sounds counter. Sounds like girls I used to date. <laughs> oh, God. Mark. I'm you went sorry. to Brazil too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fast casual is that is that wonderful definition that came out in your in the restaurant industry that uh, that is you know you know it, it again kind of self explanatory right right in the middle between yeah. right I can casual get in, dining yeah quickly click, yeah. quickly right. move through it. So we were we were. Um, I mean, 13 years ago, there wasn't a lot of restaurants. Um, probably us, Panera. This was before Chipotle really hit. So um, I saw a big opportunity in that. And I really, I mean, our whole focal point of our restaurants is our hearth oven where we're um, baking our bread. So I really wanted to have that show of freshness. And it's always cool to walk into a restaurant and see uh a f fired oven. <laughs> People actually making stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, back back before that, I mean, everybody was behind a wall, right? Right. And, right. and you didn't have that um, uh, interaction with the guest, and now you have it much more. Um, I think food is much more transparent now. I think you're seeing that in most of the restaurants nowadays. Where'd the name come from? <laughs> um, we started as Urban Cafe. Okay. And. So this was one of my lessons learned in, in the business <laughs> in world. Yes. Yeah. So we started as Urban Cafe, and I was using a, a friend to help come up with names and kind of come up with some branding back then. Branding wasn't as big as it is nowadays, mm. so we didn't have all our touch points all set up like they do now. Um, so the first review we got was a... A review from a, a paper in Ventura and it said, Urban Cafe, a true urbane eatery. And I'm like, what does urbane mean? I mean, I. So you had to go it, Google it. Yeah, I did. I Googled it. I go, 
wow, if I ever need to change the name, I'm going to change. I want to be Urbane. Yeah, I'm going yeah. uh, to put an E to it, and I'm going to call it Urbane. <laughs> um, so what I, I noticed, like, coming on is they Yelp started to come out. Um, and there's a million urban cafes out there. Mm, and the, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was be lumped in with somebody with a terrible Yelp score. I wanted to really... Um, own our concept and the the company the the restaurant stuff that I had done before I had um, built uh, some juice bars um, it was a franchise and those franchise juice bars that I ended up selling to a company called Robex I it was a franchise and I wanted to make sure that I owned everything I could in in my new restaurant concept I wanted to own the wall. I wanted to own the name. I wanted to make sure that from the painting on the walls to the food we did was something that I could touch. And that was one of the big things that I... Why was that so important? Um, because I wasn't, it was a franchise, the juice bars. They, it gave me a lot of structure, but it also gave me the... It confined me to what I really wanted to do. Is mm. I wanted to own everything. I wanted to make sure that that color, if if I want to change that color, it's it's mine. If I want to change the menu, I can do it. And that was something that I think franchises are great for certain people that want to live inside a box. I'm not that. You're <laughs> not, not that, that guy. guy. We've proven yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to go outside of that bo- box and do something that hasn't been done before. And 13 years ago, that clearly hadn't been done. Yes. How how 13 years later? So. Let's go back. So you have that first store, the first day. You have had some experience because you did the juice bars. Mm-hmm. That's another phenomenon that has gotten out of control, yes. uh, in my opinion. Is it? Uh, is it out of control? It's completely out of control. maniac juice drinkers. The, the, they're setting up right next door right now. We just don't even know it. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's juice everywhere. I, I'm, I, I have juice right here. I drink juice every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's how they can get $8.50 for a glass of yeah. juice. And we were around the time where Jamba Juice was just starting, and, mm. and uh, the concept was very good. I just felt like there was something bigger for me, mm. and that's because um, you wanted to own everything, because mm-hmm. you wanted to be able to say no, that wall needs to be yeah. green, or that wall needs to be red, or you, there was a control. Yeah. Is it a control thing for you? I. I You're gonna play the fifth right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, control never satisfied. I guess those all fit. Okay, so so you do the first restaurant, and you know, our listener knows that that was my background as well, and it is a grueling, harsh, unforgiving life. Don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's wildly addicting, and uh, I, I like front of the house. I'm more back of the house, but I mm-hmm. love greeting guests and, and doing all of that. Uh, both my kids are in the business, and so I get that. It's a lot of work. You then say, hold it. This isn't enough work. I'm going to open another <laughs> place. Yeah. So, and, and now had you gotten married by this time? I was not married yet. Um, it, it's funny though, when, because I had uh, four, four juice bars prior and I told my wife, my not yet wife, my soon to be wife, um, I said, you know what? I'm just going to do this cafe, and we're only going to do one, and I'm I'm going to be done by by the end of construction. I'm like, yeah, we already have another location set up in Agora. So Hills. you hadn't even finished. Uh, 
building the first one and you already had designs. I, I was thinking, and that's what I, when we talk about fundamentals is when I was setting up this restaurant, I, I knew that I had to set up a basic structure. And I was very lucky that I had a mentor that, um, his name's Pete, and he was very good restaurateur, very fastidious on helping with recipes. Um, mm. I, I mean, very fortunate that I, I hooked up with him and he really helped engineer the menu. When was the last time you talked to Pete? Um, you know what? We texted just the other day. And, See, good. Um, great guy. I mean, I owe a lot to to him and in, in mentoring me. I think we all we we talk about mentors a lot on the show, and I'm always interested in that that person yeah. in your life, and do they stick with you throughout? And, and in many yeah. cases, they do. Yeah. Uh, there was some pivotal discussion in in there, so that that's why I asked yeah. that question. Yeah, he he's been great. I mean, when I was at Cal Lutheran, and I read, I, I was a little bit after. Cal Lutheran, but I read the book by Napoleon Hill, Thinking Grow Rich, and that was a huge turning point in my mm. um, decision to really take a risk and open. I mean, can you imagine uh, telling my friends and family, hey, "I'm going to open a juice bar"? Before they were really popular, they're like, "You're crazy." This Why is, would anybody pay eight dollars for <laughs> exactly. a bottle well, of juice? No, this is the five-year-old who said, "I'm yeah, going to be a motorcycle, motorcycle racer." Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is like, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, it's, I mean, it, the same thing when I was going to open the restaurant after the juice bars, right? You have those, you have to, you have to push through the people that that think you're, you're absolutely crazy for taking uh, a risk like that. I always like to think of mine as more calculated risks, but mm -hmm. I mean, any entrepreneur, it is a risk, mm -hmm. and we are putting our, um, our, I mean, I would say my financial future in jeopardy. Um, Right, because there's such risk. a there's such a strange moment when when people look at you and go, "You've already got four successful things. Why are you? Why would you? Why would you? Uh, you know, yeah, risk those four successful. You've got you got what what most people would spend their entire life trying to achieve, which would be four successful businesses right, right. simultaneously. And now you're just going to go try another <laughs> one that's totally different, right? Like it's not even the same formula, math, or anything. It's just like, what are you crazy? That's in, that's insane. And you know, Mark, I mean, from being in the restaurant business. Um, how hard of work it is. And I remember the first time I met my, my wife's uh, father. And this was when I was in construction to build the restaurant. And it's the very first time. And he had sacrificed his, his um, life to come over to America. He was from, from. El, El Salvador. Huh. And he had worked in restaurants. That's how he provided uh. for his daughters and his, his, his family. So sitting down with him for lunch and he's like looks at his daughter and goes this guy is a crazy gringo thinking he's gonna <laughs> open a restaurant and take care of my daughter right mm. and luckily uh it worked out for me <laughs> um and i think it worked out in big part because of my discipline but a lot because i learned the fundamentals and mm -hmm. i wasn't one of these guys that was going to open 15 restaurants without learning how to learning every single aspect of our restaurant how have you stayed in business past that one year, Mark? I worked hard. <laughs> well, I know, no, obviously, but but like, what do you do? You think that you could attribute, um, 
you know, some specific, like inside of that, like that, that method and that practice, it's like, is it, is it you get there before everybody else? Is it that you, uh, that you're constantly reevaluating your purveyors to make sure that you're getting the best, you know, whatever it is you can afford or what do you, what do you, do you think there are some tips in there? That yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you have, you have to have the right concept, I think in the restaurant business to, to, to really grow, you have to have that something that's craveable. Um, for us, we always look at it as how many times can I get you in to eat at our restaurant mm, a week? Right. Mm, we're we're right. we're about weekly visits. We want to be your everyday go-to restaurant. Um, and I think that we really touched on a, a point and and building in a community. Right, uh, our, our restaurant's mm. very community-based, and and when I look at our concept, we're we love little communities like Ventura, like San Luis, like um, Valencia. I mean, all of these little communities, we get in there and we get in the fabric of those communities. Give me an example of that. Um, uh, Ventura. I mean, you you could probably ask the majority of people and they're, they've been to our restaurant or they're, they're going for lunch. And the more we just did a whole branding um, uh and we, we were evaluating our guests, and they were saying that most of our guests come here two to three times a week. Wow. And that's a huge uh, turnover that we're getting on an average restaurant. And that means that we're striking either, I mean, we're both delicious and healthy. So when you're leaving our restaurant, you feel good about what you're eating. I... <clears throat> <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Um, <laughs> I I feel like there is we we eat out uh, quite a bit. We rely on our food to come from from outside vendors quite a lot in my family, and uh, uh, and I think about that that we have a few that we rely on for for multiple times a week, um, and and it's it's a cer- there's a certain consistency to it and there's a certain reliability to it, mm-hmm. but then simultaneously I can take anybody I've got with me there and there won't be. They will, they will be able to find mm-hmm. something. And again, it comes back to that trust factor, right? right? Yeah. You, you're in their rotation because you trust those yep. uh, restaurants mm-hmm. to deliver. Mm-hmm. How many restaurants do you have now? Uh, Twelve. <laughs> and of course, he, of course, he does, Patrick. Had a, you know, I had a juice bar, and I just thought, you know, why not just open up and go to twelve. If somebody <laughs> said to you when you had your, your your four juice bars, hey, would you mind running twelve restaurants for yeah. me? You know what? If I if I if I could look back at myself in high school and think that I would be in uh, a ra- radio station giving an interview on uh, leadership or restaurant, <laughs> <laughs> my friends would just probably laugh. Yeah, sure you will. Uh, yeah. 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 So I want you, your goal, you're in about five days when I send you the link to the show, you needed to send to everybody in the class of Ventura High School. Okay. Yeah, I, I always uh, I go there and speak um, once a year oh, um, at good. my, and I, I let them know that I was um, I was uh, not in the best classes. So, <laughs> I mean, you have this. You weren't in gate and, and uh, no, advanced I was placement. not. And I, I mean, education. I, I think you you must need you need education, and I I want them to not have to work as hard as I did to go back and do the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. School is there for you, and um, like it or not, you use your time there. And I don't think I used my time at school the best I could have because I was dreaming about other stuff. For me, luckily, um, it worked out. But I, I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna challenge the luck. 
because I don't think it was luck with you, <laughs> right? Because you're you're really driven, and you you know uh, seem very thoughtful about that and very intentional. Twelve restaurants is not an accident. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Wh- when so now it's five years from now. Let's future think a bit, and uh, we've invited you back to the show, which presumes we're still you know, we're in our thousandth episode by that time or something. Um, what, have, what, what, what do you see in your five-year plan? What looks on uh, the Our five-year plan is about, we'll be up to about 50 restaurants. Okay. So. Um, still in California? Still depending. Yeah. Um, so. What are the inhibitions of moving out of state? Supply I, line or? Uh, supply chain, yes, but I, I like to, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a control Freak. We've learned and this. I, I, yeah, I want to. I want to make sure that what we're doing is is what um, I have envisioned, and that's. I mean, we have great. Uh, I, I set up most of the training that we have in there, and um, but I think going out of state, we need to be very prepared, and we need to build our team. I think by the five year mark, we should be there, and our team should be well in place. Um, but I. I I think we have to build that team to be able to distribute the, the product and, and do what my vision is uh, of great food and do it outside of the state. How what o- is, I just want to know how often you get to go to each of your shops. I'm in one at least every day. Okay. Yeah. I, I Like yesterday, I got up at 4 in the morning and I, I drove down to uh, Temecula and I was home by about 9. So I... I I always like to get to our restaurants. That's where it gives me energy. Do you just hang out all day? What do you do there? Uh, no, we just we talk about operations. Like yesterday, I mean, half my day was driving. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. So I'll be there observing lunch, um, getting it everybody's way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, so you're like mentoring your, your, your yeah, job managers. I mean, and, and really when you get to this area, it's about culture, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, feeding that, that culture of trust. And making sure everybody buys in, mm-hmm. um, it's it's really nice to see um, our team buy in and understand what we're really trying to do. More than a day job. Yes. Ooh. Yes. You mentioned a couple of things that got me thinking about the workforce. You talked about training. You've created all the training. Of course, it's your vision. You know, there's a you know you're leading the charge in that. One of the challenges in food service is the high turnover. Mm-hmm. I mean, just crazy high turnover, which I think most people don't expect. As soon as you talk about it, they go, oh, okay, I get it, right? Yeah. Um, I, though, know that the management doesn't turn over because you know they get that job, they hang right. in there, they're part of the community, they're there and established. Do you have people that have been with you since the first show? I do. First yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, Ventura is a, a, a lot of the, the people. Um, I, I have the, the original guy that, um, with Pete and I, he was the first prep. Right. And right. he's still with us. Um, he came over from China. Um, and wow, what a, what a great guy. And it's, I have that in all our restaurants. We, I have right. people that have really stayed with us because we're small enough that we're still connecting with everyone. But again, it, it starts with our management as well as we got we to gotta build trust in them and they got to have, they got to get trust from and 
trickle down that trust to the trickle down the, trust. I like that. There's a <laughs> down, danger t-shirt for the show. Trickle down trust. <laughs> I yes. like that. I'm going to put yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, really, they're, they got to execute our vision. Yep. And um, to have a low turnover, people have got to come into the restaurant for their first day on the job and know what's expected of them. I mean, you probably know, like the, my first day at my one of my first jobs, uh, pumping gas, hmm. um, I showed up. Nobody told me what to do. Nobody told me what was expected. And it was chaotic. I want people to come into our restaurants knowing, you know what, I'm in a safe environment. These guys are going to teach me the way, the urbane way. And we're, we're going to grow together and give them opportunities to continue to grow. And I think if we can keep um, pushing them up, up forward and we have what we consider a level training program, you start one area, 30 days, you need to be at the next area um, and just keep moving up. Because if you're progressing, it's going to keep your mind activated and hopefully we keep people in the restaurant. Well, they know what they know where they stand. Yep. It's such a hard thing when you're in a in a career or job and you don't know where you stand. You yeah. Know, you don't well, know. exactly. And and also, there are unlimited uh, growth opportunities for someone that mm -hmm. comes in. Right. Someone yeah. comes in. They might come in. Uh, might be a high school senior and they work. Uh, mm -hmm. They they're I guess old enough or however that works. But they're you know young. It's their you're the first job for a lot of people, mm. and they can, if they're the climbers, they're the one percenters, they see that, they love it, I like this, they move up, they move up. Oh, there's, we're now we're opening another, what, we still have uh, 37 restaurants yeah. to go. <laughs> uh, you've got startup crews, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you've got teams that go in yeah. and they're there for the first 90 days and they get everybody trained and they do all that. So there's, you know, there's eventually thousands of employees yep. and opportunity. I, th that takes a big responsibility too on you. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's what I thrive on. I, I ah. love that. And I'll, I'll say that back to that point is that one of my biggest mistakes was um, I hired somebody from outside and I thought this guy's run a lot of restaurants and he's way more experienced. Does he run them the way you run them? Exactly, mm. right? So <laughs> you're getting what... Do the, does he believe in the culture that I want to have? And I think that was one of my um, biggest mistakes, but learning opportunities early on. Why did you hire him? Did, did someone say, uh, did Pete say, Tom, you need to bring in a pro who can uh, help you? You're no, big enough now. You know what? I, um, I have some other mentors that said, hey, you need to really get a, a VP of ops, mm. and which we, we so. did. Sounds very useful. Yeah. yeah. So, but you have to, I, I think I could have vetted him a little bit better mm. um, and made sure that he had my vision and understood the, the hospitality, the trust that we need to get from our team and our uh, guest. One, I, I'm going to, a little, quick little story to see if you do something like this. My brother was the VP of engineering for the Ritz-Carlton for most of his career. And I learned so much about quality because that word just hit me there. And the, you think of the service you get at a Ritz-Carlton. Mm -hmm. But they have a, um, a theme every week, something that they're working on that is at every single level 
the people that are folding the sheets, the gardeners, mm -hmm. everybody has a team meeting every day and we're talking about trust, we're talking about honesty, we're talking about whatever that thing is. Is there a kind of a cultural conversation that happens at the cafe? I think we do a, a monthly focus. Okay. And one of them is, I mean, we need to have um, pre-opening meetings. I think that's a, a, a big thing. Um, getting everybody on the right page, I, I think. Uh, but not, I think in the restaurant business, consistency is super important. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, I mean, our focus is a lot on how do we become consistent. And um, I'm, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm a big believer in the four disciplines of execution by... Um, what are those? It's, it's a book by uh, Stephen Covey, his, his son, oh. I believe. And it's, um, I, I had the opportunity to meet the founder and owner of Panda Express. Hmm. And their Panda Express is a big believer in the four executions of discipline. And it's really about disciplining yourself at really one or two major goals and focusing on that. So when we, for that month, we're going to focus on our bread, making sure that everybody knows what the perfect bread looks like or uh, grilling the chicken this way. So it's really about focusing instead of a gazillion goals, let's, let's pinpoint these goals. Do you have, I, this is, I know we're running low on time, but um, I'm always interested, uh, are you researching, do you, do you like to drop into new other cafes and always. try other people's food and, always. and, and, and there's some great, there's do you some take your crew stuff. with you? Do you take a couple uh, of, yeah, usually managers. Or, right. Um, like, see, this is how, this is working really everybody well. Everybody is better than us right <laughs> oh, now. Really? Yeah, really? <laughs> no, when I go in, I'm like, see what they're doing? Yeah. See, we got to get on that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's. I, I think that there's always a learning moment. And um, I, I, one of my mentors, uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of Bob Spivak, he, he w founded um, uh, Daily Grill, Grill on the Alley, some famous restaurants in, in LA. And I watch him and he's, uh, I think he's in his 70s now and he's still particular. You'll sit down and I'll go, okay, I don't like the spoon. And he's really <sighs> watching mm -hmm. him like, this guy and I really connect because mm -hmm. I totally get it. So I think that level of partic particularity, particular discernment, discernment. Uh, I think that's very. I, I I feel like I go to a lot of restaurants and I eat a, I eat some food and I think, why well, this person doesn't like hamburgers. Like, this person <laughs> hates hamburgers. Clearly hates hamburgers. Does not have vegan any, in the kitchen. Well, just it's <laughs> just like a bald barber, right? Like yeah. there's this moment where it's like whoever made this hamburger for me has heard of hamburgers, but has never had one that they liked. And I think and I think that that, that that's got to be ownership management not reaching outside of their of their bubble yeah. and saying like well what what are other people doing yeah. you know for bread consistency and quality or whatever it's a, it's attention to detail and it's yeah. everything and and let's bring it back to the motorcycle yeah. <laughs> you had to be able to tear that motorcycle apart all the way down to the individual bolts and clean yep. them and put it all back together and everything had to, everything out of place and everything in mm -hmm. its place and if it didn't work it blew up and and yeah. thankfully it didn't blow up but you did crash <laughs> uh but if you didn't crash we wouldn't have urbane cafe yeah. uh so i crashed uh, a lot i was really good at crashing i love that and you're really good at your at the cafe uh when we're near one we eat there uh plans for santa barbara we're looking 
Okay. So we're we're active. It's got to be the right. It's got to be the right spot. Absolutely. So I mean, we're we like to have parking and make sure that mm-hmm. we can. I mean, almost fifty percent of our food is to go. So we we're looking for that right spot. Right. If you find one, let me know. I bet it'll be Galita. Let's see if we've been close. Yeah. Tom, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, our listener knows that it's this part of the show that is one of the favorite things we do, which is uh, try to, we've talked about a lot of different things, and we've deconstructed <laughs> all of it, uh, and we, we like to give a title to the show, like put a bow around this. So if someone's, someone has come in from another show, and now they're looking at the catalog going, well, what do I want to listen to next? What would we call this? Ooh, that's interesting that you would say that. Um, fundamentals create success. I, I, I no, what, no, what, no. <laughs> yep. keep dig deeper. That's what Patrick's saying is, I'm not feeling it. The, On my menu, I'm looking down the menu and I go sandwich toppings. Yeah, that's I'll, I'll order yeah. the sandwich with toppings. <laughs> that's good for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple that I uh, picked out. I like hospitality as a feeling. Oh, that's pretty oh, good. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Do you like that? I yeah. love that. Okay, let's go with that because yeah. I, you said some. It usually comes from something yeah. you said yeah. in there, <laughs> yeah. and uh, fundamentals. I know. We'll see Come what on, happens. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, what happens? Hey, where do you want to eat? How about the restaurant? Let's eat at the restaurant. <laughs> no, no. Which let's, one? Let's you know, go fundamental have, restaurant. Let's go have breakfast. Let's. Oh, go to. Oh, <laughs> let's not get started. There's a place that opened up. Hey, hey. <laughs> just, just we're not even going no, there. We're uh, done. And, and then I always l- look at really the quote. You're not really going there. <laughs> the quote um, from you that I liked is, I did what I always do. I was resourceful. And oh. I think that's a huge takeaway for anybody. It doesn't matter what business you're in. Mm-hmm. That um, it's not that we lack resources. We lack resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. You clearly oh, don't lack nice. that. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, thank you for being on the thank show. You. And... Uh, for um, for everything you're doing for the people you're feeding, because that's a huge deal feeding people. Thank you for that. Only, I also only eight thousand people a day. So. <laughs> oh, oh God! God. Nice. Wow, that's called burying the lead. <laughs> that's good stats. Eight thousand. <laughs> I love that for our data-driven <laughs> listener. Uh, keep track of that. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. And our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great place where we get to have these great conversations. If you're interested in partnering with the podcast, send us a note to partner at 805connect.com. Hey, Patrick, yes. someone's listened to the very end. Yeah, how thank they, you. How could they help you? Yeah, well, thank <laughs> They're you. They're waiting yes. for the Easter egg. Yeah. Um, well, they could help us because uh, they could buy rate, write, review, obviously, uh, but also subscribe. Uh, find out what's, uh, you know, every time one of these drops, uh, you'll be the first one to know. Uh, and it's definitely a, a good way to spend uh, your commute uh, to getting from one place to the other. But the other thing is, is that if this is your first time listening because you heard about Tom and you want to come in and listen to it, uh, go back through the back catalog. Uh, there's tons more episodes that are worth uh, a moment of your time uh, to get into. And here's And here's my advice to everybody. You don't have to like them all. Get in yeah. five minutes and realize, right. you know what, this isn't the one for me. Go yep. look for another one. Don't yep. give up the whole podcast, you know. But don't, but don't feel obligated. Just listen to a few minutes if you like where it's if you're going. You're feeling it. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, keep going. We like to earn every minute. Earn every minute. There you go. Uh, I would love to hear from you if you've got questions or an idea or uh, someone that you ran into. He said, "Oh, I've, they've 
got to be on the show. Send me a note, mark at 805connect.com. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 